let's see what you guys want to talk about. Like I said, my week's been really crazy. Um, uh, in where I live, COVID restrictions have released a little bit. And so I'm, I'm back to doing my day gig, my repairing gig uh, more so, and a different way than I've ever done it before. And it was a little bit of a learning curve this week for me, <laughs> uh, you know, how, how to interact with people and do this and abide by all the rules and stuff. And it's a little tricky. It's a little tricky. Um, so I appreciate everyone working with me. I had a live hangout this week with my patrons and I actually missed my own live hangout. Ended up having to do it separately one later because I was stuck in traffic. It had been so long since I had been in traffic, I forgot that traffic starts at three o'clock in the afternoon. I know it sounds like a silly thing. A lot of you guys are going to be like, what? But it like what? In other words, how do I not know that? So what happens? I haven't been in traffic in about two years, maybe three. So, you know, to be totally quite honest, you know what I mean? When you work uh, out of your house, you, you just don't go to traffic. So traffic at three o'clock when I was coming on the way back, it was like 245 it was just bumper to bumper. And I was like, oh, I forgot traffic starts this early. All right. Let's see what we got. Uh, let's see what you guys want to talk about. Anything interesting? How was guitar week for everyone <laughs> in the world of guitar, I should say? Hmm. James says, are, qu- are quarter sawn necks better than flat sawn necks? Um, you know, it technically... Let's go with the technical answer. Technically, yes, uh, because of the fact that they are cut w- w- differently. Obviously, they're cut into in the co- like. For those of you who don't know what cortison means, we've talked about this before. A cortison would be like if you took the the tree that's circular like this, and we're going to cut into it in quarters like a pie, and uh, it puts the grain in a better situation for the neck. And then flat sawn would be if we went in rows, basically, and you're going to get more boards out of that same log. However, the grain's not correct. Now, here's what I was going to tell you. What I what I've learned is. In my experience, and again, uh, I'm not saying that this is a fact. I'm just saying this is what I've kind of come across over the years. Uh, I think generally you could say cortisone's better. So in other words, if you're if you're going to try to bet on something like, hey, a cortisone neck versus a flat saw neck, which one's going to be better? I'm going to bet on the cortisone every time. However, what I've learned is uh, a good piece of wood, a good neck is just good no matter what. So it can be flat sawn. It can have a scar. Think of this. Uh, you can have a guitar with a flat sawn neck, scarf joint, everything that everybody tells you is wrong. And it's just an amazing neck because it was a good piece of wood that was dried out correctly. And I think when we first saw in the industry, you know, the quarter sawn necks going away to the flat sawn necks, I think there was some concern. But you got to understand a couple things have changed in that in that realm. First, they really perfected uh, truss rods, right? Truss rods, of course, you know, started out just literally being a rod, a piece of metal, and then something being an adjustable truss rod, and now dual action truss rods, and now truss rods with carbon fiber rods. So, I mean, there's so much you can do to a neck now to guarantee that neck to be right. I don't think uh, cortisone is that important. Um, And what I say that is, it's nothing I particularly look at when I buy a guitar. Uh, For me personally, I'm not looking at a guitar like, hey, if it has cortisone, it's a pass. I just recognize that cortisone is more expensive. The wood, the block of wood, the piece of wood costs more. So therefore, when I'm buying a guitar, it, uh, when I buy a guitar, this is a good, better subject that actually will take you from that into down a, a realm that makes more sense. When I buy a guitar... What I'm trying to figure is how much of the money is going to the product and how much of the money is going to the profit. 
And how I do that is exactly the same way you guys do that. I look at an instrument and I start piecemealing in it what all the components cost. And then if the cost is like say $300 and let's say the guitar is now $400, okay, they double the component, the price of the components and there you go. However, if the components feel like they're $400 and the guitar is $2,000, like, well, where all the money? What's all the cost? Is it just the labor? Where does it go? And sometimes we know there's somebody along that chain, you know, whether it's the parts, the supplies, then it's the employees, and then it's the the managers, and then the owner, and then the investment firm, right? And those profit, and and that's what it is. No one likes the idea of giving all their money to the investor. You know what I mean? To the guy who's who's just in it for the money. It's it's not a fun thought to do. It's uh, I'm not advocating it for it or against it. But I will say, when I personally buy things, I think about that all the time. Who's getting who's getting the bulk of this money and and uh, do I want to support that system? When you buy anything, you're voting. So it's a, it's a part of the downfall. You know, you understand. I, I tell people all the time if uh, if uh, you know if I if I uh, come across like I like certain things more than others, it's because sometimes I'm always conflicted. I think like a normal person, especially in today's day and age, you're conflicted of, hey, this is what works for me. This benefits me and this benefits maybe the world or other people and you try to find this balance at least i try to find a balance some of you guys are much better people than me and you literally worry about the other person all the time and some of you guys are worse i guess than me and just care about your your, your personal situation um but i i i try to do the best i can right and i think that's i think that's normal i hope a lot of you guys can relate to that like yeah i'm out there you know everybody likes to get a good deal but you're trying to find the blend um David says, I just like this question because it's my favorite question to talk about. It's headphones. He says, do you have a headphone uh, recommendation for guitar? I don't. And uh, and the only reason I bring this up is because I know there's got to be somebody else out there that can relate to this. I don't wear headphones uh, uh, ever. <laughs> so uh, you may have seen me maybe once in a, lo- in a podcast. I was using headphones uh, when I was trying out the new mics, which is what I use now. Uh, the mic I use now for the podcast, which I really like. Um, and... Uh, I just don't do headphones uh, because I, I, I uh, it freaks me out. I think I've told you uh, this before. I put them on and it's like isolates me from the, everybody in the house and they come up behind me and ask me a question and I jump out of my skin. So I can't give you advice on that. I wish I could. Uh, but the reason I bring it up is I know tons of you guys use headphones and I'd love to hear what you guys' thoughts. I'm really curious to see, does anyone in the comments, please let me know if there's still players out there that love or now have gotten over the Katana Air, you know, headphone things, those Katana headphones. They were such a rage. Of all the products I've seen probably in the last couple years on YouTube, uh, that product sticks out to me the absolute most for the absolute most like curve, like literally like everywhere, every, it was everywhere on every channel. Everybody loved it. And like literally I hear nothing about it now. It's like, it doesn't even exist. Um, so uh, so I'm curious. So let, put in the comments, please, guys. Let me know if you uh, got a pair, you still love it, or you got a pair and you don't like it. I'm really curious. Um, so, all right. Uh, Grumpy Mike's not a fan of headphones either. Yeah. Look, not only am I not a fan of headphones, it took me forever to get my volume control under control. Forever, I was super loud. <laughs> I just turned, I would crank amps. And now I'm more under control. Uh... Let's see. Eric says, I'm just kidding. Uh, dads don't wear headphones. Those are for grandfathers and teenagers. It's possible. Uh, I mean, let's let's be very clear. I mean, it's uh, no one in my house is happy I don't wear headphones but me. 
<laughs> they would like literally if I ever want to just like give the greatest gift to my family I ever ever I could, one Christmas I could just chintz out and be like all right I'm getting headphones and that's your gift for Christmas <laughs> they would probably lose their mind with hap happiness um uh Let's see. Malik says, I missed his super chat for four to two shows. Uh, so let's see if it's now. We read it now. What PRS SE would you get for the first PRS? And can you find super chat, please, uh, for me? Thanks. Uh, so I'll try and find the super chats. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, it's easier for me to find them during the week of what I've learned. And then I'll answer them next week uh, because, uh, you know, otherwise I'm here fishing for the next 10 minutes. Um, but on your PS, PRS SE question, I would definitely buy a used PRS SE first. I mean, that's uh, that's the thing that we always got to talk about. Getting used gear is definitely the way to save money and get good, cool stuff. And especially you can find stuff that now it's discontinued or they don't make it anymore. It gives it uniqueness. And, and so that's what I would look at first. Uh, and if you're looking for a model, I like the SE245 SE. That's probably my favorite one. And then after that, it's probably the SE2 uh, Custom 24. But if I was going to get a new one, right now se uh i think the two se's i have two uh, uh that i like um the 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 main one is the se custom 24 standard which is their least expensive one i don't know what it is about that it fits me perfectly like the whole the full whole and the idea of it it's not a flashy top on it it's not a it's not it's not like this beautiful piece of art it's just a basic piece of wood and it looks good and it plays great uh and uh i was really impressed with the one that i was able to to touch and and, and play and uh that one and then i love the se2 uh the se hollow body 2 uh, even though it's outrageously priced you know i outrageously mean it's 1500 bucks it's a lot of juice man but it's an impressive guitar uh, and maybe we'll talk about that today. If that's something you guys weren't interested in, on what that is, I've been debating on whether or not to even make a video about something or talk about it. So we'll see how it goes today. But that's the ones I like. And then, of course, I'm a fan. And keep in mind, the easy part is this. Just think of it this way, uh, if it helps. If you're in, if you're looking for a new SE or used SE, uh, just remember the Custom 24s are going to have the small neck and the SE245s and the other ones are going to have the thicker neck. So you just got to decide which neck you like. I've learned to like both in their own way. There's just things I like about both. Uh, ER Webster. Hey, ER. You know what's funny? I feel horrible. Here's why. Because the first stream crashed. So what I will do is I'm going to talk about ER Webster right now. I hope he doesn't mind. And then I promise I'll answer your question. Question. Uh, well, it, it, I'll get your question in a second. Uh, but I put links to his video. So here's, I want to talk about the great guitar build-off. And I had it all preset. So, you know, ER uh, Webster, I don't know what your first name is, just ER Webster. Uh, I had you linked in there. So basically what I wanted to tell you was uh, ER Webster, uh, I will put links when I index this, obviously at the end of the show, to, to his channel. He is doing the great guitar build off. He is probably my favorite right now of all the videos I've seen. Um, and, and really, ER, it's great because I would never dare say uh, professional, that I'm a professional YouTuber. Okay. Um, but I know that in a lot of communities, you know, that's how it looks. You got to understand, I understand that there's a quarter million subscribers on the channel, but you understand these guitar community channels like me, we're not that big. There's no, we're a, we're a, we're a pimple on the butt of YouTube. So a lot of people perceive this as uh, like, this is a big YouTube channel. And I appreciate that. That feels, you know, humbling when you guys say that stuff, but I don't want to, uh, make you guys think like this is not like I don't have like an editing crew, a manager. I mean, like you know what I mean. This is it's not. It's just me 
<laughs> making videos and editing them and then trying to make, uh, you know, do a full, my full-time gig. And then my YouTube is like my, it's my part-time gig. This year was going to be the first year of full-time YouTube and then COVID happened, uh, which I'm kind of glad, uh, you know, that I didn't make the decision a little faster. So basically what I'm getting at is uh, on the Great Guitar Build-Off, um, uh, E.R. Webster is making some great videos, and I put two other links, which I will put to below, of two other channels that are doing fantastic videos, and they're literally putting everyone to shame in the idea that they they got what I think this whole guitar build-off was. So I want to talk about this because it's important, and at E.R., like I said, I'll get to your question last in this, but this is important for the guitar build-off. The guitar build-off, I think I was confused, and uh, and and I obviously was. I've reread the original email a couple times, and I think I still get from what I got from it in the first place, but I can see where I confused it. What I thought was, was supposed to happen was during COVID, everybody's kind of locked down. A lot of people have more time, you know what I mean? And so the idea was to uh, get some build kits out to some channels, get some excitement about building some guitars and get you guys exciting, excited about building kits. I did a build kit with Crimson Guitars about a year or two ago when I did the beer caster. And I think essentially that's what that was. That was the first kit I had ever done for myself, you know, the, the beer caster. 99% of the kits that I'd ever, I've ever touched in the past, somebody built them and then they brought them into our shop for like a wiring. Usually it's wiring work, sometimes it's setup. Like they want me to crown and level it. Some people who build kits obviously uh, will do things up to their comfort level and then they stop. You know what I mean? And so wiring is where a lot of people kind of dip out, especially if it gets a little weird for them because uh, they're just a little uncertain to it. Or a lot of times they do the wiring and it goes wrong and they need somebody to kind of troubleshoot it. And like I said, my skill set is in repair. That's why I've made my living for the last 15 years. So uh, my skill set is in troubleshooting. And that's why like a lot of times when we talk about these videos, the videos I make on YouTube, they're about showing you guys how to do something quickly and easily because I literally live in a world where uh, no one wants me to do build anything for them. They want me to fix the thing, <laughs> right? And usually they want me to fix it as cheap as possible because they've bought an expensive guitar, you know what I mean? So they want a ratio uh, to that. So the reason I point that out is, so uh, when Crimson Guitars reached out and said, hey, let's do some kits and get some exciting uh, excitement about building kits, uh, I totally was on board. I was like, okay, this is great. And then we'll, we'll do the guitar for charity. And that's where I thought we were. And then I want to say it kind of changed and I don't think it's, it's bad, but it confused me a little bit. And it was like, okay, now it's about who's the greatest builder. And I'm like, uh, and, and I don't think that's entirely what it's about, but I think I'm like, well, doesn't that, Anyways, my point is it got confusing for me and I want to thank a couple channels and I'll put the links to those channels. ER is one of them. Uh, the other one is, I think it's Casey electron you know what i can look right now so i don't have to guess i don't i actually want to make sure this is right sometimes you want to make sure that what you're saying is the right thing so since i have everything penned i don't have it in the links i want to talk about it because this is important to me this is one of those things i hope you guys will would bear with me because this is important to me. I know a lot of time this, sh this, this show is about what's important to you guys. So E.R. Webster is definitely one of them. Check out his channel. Very impressive uh, what he's doing with his telly. I loved your binding video, dude, by the way. I loved it. Uh, with the acetone on there, I was like, ah, it was just, I was like, yeah, this is great. Uh, the other one is Raymond uh, Baggett, and uh, he's doing a, a PRS build, and he's doing this like custom dragon stuff on there. I'm not sure if it's doing an inlay or if he's going to have it painted. It was like, I just watched the first part of the part one and part of the part two. And, uh, and the other one was Kate. Casey Electronics, I had it right. Casey Electronics, again, another amazing, uh, really cool build uh, channel uh, doing some stuff. And when I say build channels, keep in mind, these guys are exactly what I've been talking about since the day I got on YouTube. I got on YouTube because I was lonely. 
<laughs> okay? I was lonely and I was bored. I had a music store, but at the music store, it was about business. People came in and we talked about what kind of deals we could get on a guitar. My job was to take care of the repairs. My job was to sell them instruments. My job was to take care of the customer. But that wasn't for me. That was for them. I mean, obviously, it was my business. My job was to take care of people so I could make money and support my family. And I started my YouTube channel, and that's why my YouTube channel was never really connected to my store. I didn't really hawk my store stuff. And there's nothing wrong with anybody who does that. Um, but what happened was, and I, and I like telling the story, and I don't think I've ever told it to you guys, but I've told the Patreon many times. What really threw me in the in the, the wrench in my whole thing was well, somebody, one to, somebody once told me, uh, a rep for a company said, you're going to be the Andertons of the U.S. You know what I mean? So you should start getting your store ready for online sales and have my store and do you know these videos for my store. And I remember just feeling, I, I'm not going to exaggerate, horribly depressed. Like, I, I feel like somebody took something from me. They stole this thing I found joy in where I got to communicate with you guys and make videos. And I all I saw was, great, now I get to work all day helping people make a guitar decision or fix their guitar, which is, again, it's a great job to have if you have to have a job. And then I get to go home, and then I get to figure out how to do that same thing on the Internet so people will buy guitars for me. And so I go, I, I just, nothing about that sounded exciting. So I, I, t I told people this story many times. In 2017, in January, I went to the NAMM show. I told my wife uh, when I went to the NAMM show, I said, when I come back, I don't know what's going to happen there, but when I come back, I'm either never going to come back to the store again or I'm never going to do YouTube again. And uh, when I came back, I, uh, I decided that's when I'm going to do YouTube uh, and not do a work in the store. I would just do repairs. So the point of this story is, is I kind of feel that way with this build. It felt like to me, it was so exciting, like we were going to learn to build together and share videos of just like piecemeal and maybe do some, take my cell phone and take some footage of some stuff and put it on Instagram. And then it changed and I wanted to, I was really not enjoying it as much. Uh, there was nothing wrong. Cause like I said, Ben Crow, Texas Toast, Big D Guitars, great builders. I watched their videos, great guys, great builders. There's nothing wrong there. But, and I understand that's the point, but I think I feel like I heard some comments out there from you guys on the internet, and it was literally what I was thinking, which was uh, somebody said something actually, and there's another channel, let me give him credit too, uh, and he's actually the best channel for this, that actually, he, he, he entered the uh, channel, or the, uh, the build off unofficially is what he said, and... It is The Gear Garage. Uh, great great guy, started a channel. I'll put links to all these videos. You guys check them out, because like I said, this is what I think is most exciting about YouTube. He did this video, and in it he said, you know, he's like, oh, Big D's in it, and Crimson Guitars, and Texas Toast. He's like, I don't know why Phil McKnight's in it. And I'm like, see, when I saw that, you know what I thought? I, I thought the opposite. I understood why I was in it. I understood why Brad Angove was in it. I understand why Dan from Guns and Guitars was in it. I was con... I didn't understand why the real builders were in it because this was supposed to be a kit challenge, I thought. Like I said, not so much a build guitar challenge. And I understand, and I really think the Texas Toast guys are putting the only inertia behind this. And that's important. They're definitely doing that. But I love the idea, and I hope you guys uh, are with me on this. Hold on, I'm trying to get back to my main screen so I can see what you guys are even doing. Uh, I hope you guys are with me on this. I hope they take this over. Take this over. I, I, uh, I decided to go to my original plan, okay? So when I started this channel, I had an original plan, and here was the original plan. I wanted to build for myself, even though I know it's going to charity and I don't get to keep the guitar. That's not what it's about. I wanted to build for myself a PRS that I want. 
I, as you guys know, I, I, I like the quality of PRS guitars. We talk about PRS guitars a lot. I'm a huge Fender fan, more so than anything else. But one of the things about PRS I always wanted, I always wanted a Custom 24 with a natural neck, a cool painted body or a stained body, and stainless steel frets, and then some other electronics and some other options that I thought was cool. So that's what I'm doing with my build. I'm gonna put stainless steel frets on it, I'm gonna rip the frets out, do that. Uh, I'm, I'm having my buddy Brian paint it, uh, because I don't paint, like I said, I don't do any kind of paint work at all, and uh, he does, and uh, he's nice enough to, to, to donate the, the, the time to paint, so you know, and uh, uh, he does a great job, considering the fact that his real job isn't that he paints, even though it is, his real job is he owns a company who makes some of the best metallic paints uh, sold to Kiesel Guitars and and to uh, Gibson, uh, Warmoth, Fender, they're all his customers, not to mention pretty much every custom motorcycle company in the United States and all kinds of uh, helmet companies, skateboard companies and bike companies. He just makes custom cool paints for them. And uh, so I said, hey, would you want to do this challenge with me? And because uh, I don't paint, he's painting the body for me and then I'm going to do the rest. And so I'm really excited about that. And uh, and now I'm kind of pigeonholed, so you know, because I filmed my unboxing. I'll probably release that to you guys, but he's got the guitar for paint now. So I can't do anything until he's done with paint and then I'll film the rest. But my point to the story is check out those channels. So of course, check out Texas Toast and Dan and Guns Guitars and all the other ones. And I'm not excluding any channels for any particular reason. I just can't run down all seven of them all the time. Um, but I really want to thank those guys because they really kind of re solidified in me again. What I love about YouTube, uh, you know what I mean, uh, is that it's just a bunch of nerds enjoying guitars, uh, especially in times like this where, man, do I need, I need, I need that time away from everything else I'm dealing with every day. So uh, thank you guys so much for that. Like I said, please check out their channels. Like I said, I had it already preloaded, but when the stream crashed on the first one, I have to reload it again. So do that. And then to answer his question, ER wanted to know, what is the Dan Electro behind me? This is my 59 NOS in black sparkle. And it probably because the, the lighting I have in the room makes it look different. It's just the standard 59 NOS. It's a made in Korea. Uh, I don't know what year it is. I bought it used at a guitar center. Uh, as you guys know, I love the 59 NOS a lot. Uh, so you know so much so that uh, Dan Electro gave me one and then I liked it so much I bought this one because <laughs> I wanted one in black uh, sparkle I wanted it in black with the sparkle on it because uh, when I think of the Dan Electro you know kind of old vibe guitars like Silvertone I just that's the thing I look and it's just got a vibe to it that I love so that's what it is I, like I said I appreciate you guys hearing me talk about that and like I said hopefully that'll even get you guys more excited I hope you guys watch those videos and do exactly that get a kit so you go what I love is some of those guys aren't even using the kits the crimson kits they're just building from scratch on their own that's what this is about do it Support Crimson Guitars because they're great. So if that means you buy just a level from them, if you just buy a fret rocker from them, a tool from them, uh, you know, some of their stains, you know, uh, or, you know, whatever, right? Uh, support them because they're the ones behind this. Support all, you know, uh, I guess support the other channels too. But but more importantly, like I said, uh, I hope you at heart understand. I thought I want, I, I love the fact that you guys took this back and made this, hey, let's, let's just make this about building guitars and having fun in the community. And I, I think it's fun too, like I said. Um, especially for me, it's more exciting. I don't really build instruments. I fix them. So it's a weird world for me uh, because I don't really have any desire to build instruments. Um, there is. Okay. Uh, oh, and now I'm buffering. Great. <laughs> All right. We'll do the best we can. We're going to get through today as best we can. All right. Where, where are the super chats at? They've been stacking up. Let me hit a couple of those real quick. Um, let me refresh. While I'm doing that, I'll drink water. Perfectly timed. 
Maybe. Okay, what do we got going on? Uh, we have the first one of today. No, the first uh, is from Guy. Guy says, hey, Phil, what's your thoughts on the Martin guitars? Thinking about getting an OEM 28. Uh, your thoughts, concerns? Uh, I love them. Man, you know what? Here's the thing with acoustic guitars, okay? Uh, for me, acoustic guitars are the easiest, okay? I love Martin, I love Gibson, and I love Taylor. Everything else is great because it's affordable and there's some cool things about them, but essentially those three guitars uh, are great. But the one thing I believe, and, and I say I believe because it's my belief system, is that unlike electric guitars, I really believe acoustic guitars, the more you spend, the better you get. Not you as a player. <laughs> I wish that happened. <laughs> the more you spend on the guitar, the better the guitar gets. It's one of the it's one of the few things uh, in the industry. Like when it comes to pedals and amps and guitars and stuff like that. And I think there's some truth to that. You know, spend a little bit more, get a little bit more. Sure. But with acoustics, man, there could be no more perfect rule to follow. So what do I think of it? I think it's great. If you if you buy, really, really, it's weird. R most guitar players, because we're electric guitar players, majority of us, okay, um, <laughs> we really kind of, we'll spend crazy money on the electric guitar and then we buy a cheap acoustic guitar. It's the weirdest logic ever. Uh, like I said, I think it makes more sense. You can buy an amazing $500 electric guitar. You can buy a really good $500 acoustic guitar. But if you get a $3,000 acoustic and a $500 electric, I think you have a perfect uh, set of guitars that are uh, are just perfect. And you don't have to spend $3,000, but it's really easy to get to $2,500 in acoustics like that. Um, I, I love Martins. I don't know why I don't own one. I have Taylors. Uh, definitely my next, uh, my next acoustic, if I get one uh, anytime soon, is going to be my big trigger pull, and it's going to be a, a, a Gibson Hummingbird. Uh, I just want a Gibson one. It's they sound great. They're deep. They're amazing. But they're they're three they're three bills. So it's legit. You know what I mean? It's a lot of money to put. And um, but now on that set, you say concerns. Only concerns. Yeah, you have to take care of them, man. Nicer guitars. The nicer acoustics sound better, but need a little bit more love. Love me a little more humidity. Taking care of it. Don't be afraid of it. That's the thing about it, right? Use it, buy an acoustic and play it. And, uh, and uh, like I said, if you, if you have the thought to take care of it, it'll be fine. Most of the time, in my experience, that we've replied cracked acoustics, like cracked lids, lids, I don't know why I'm calling it lids, cracked tops. Most of the time I repair acoustic guitars, I think I've said this in the past, usually it goes like this. Hey, this cracked. And I go, well, did you humidify it? And they go, what's that? You know what I mean? Or um, So there's things like that. Now, the other thing is, is this. Also, if you're going to humidify your acoustic guitar, the one thing I highly recommend is read the uh, read this description or the instructions on the humidifier. Um, I like to point out to everybody over and over again is that humidifiers are also dehumidifiers. So once they don't have moisture, they now pull moisture. So make sure that you're removing them when you're done. So like that. But don't be afraid. I, I, I think a lot of people have a lot of fear of uh, uh, truss rods, twisted necks, and acoustics. And keep in mind these are things that are proven in the past that have lasted forever and take a lot of abuse so just uh you know like i said don't have to baby it but you know just be aware of it uh okay so jeff parker he did one he said guitar string shortages suggestion what uh i prefer elixir coated but most uh most everywhere long wait times along with many other top brands i had i hadn't heard of that now i'm not shocked because you gotta understand the biggest the two largest string manufacturers is going to be like ernie ball and daddario and uh uh they are new york and california had big shutdowns so i'm sure that there's gonna be a backlog but both i believe uh 
both factories are in full swing. Uh, well, full swing's tough, right? It's tough. Um, so, so be aware of that. Keep in mind, uh, another brand that check out is Stringjoy. They're in Nashville and they've had a lot of setbacks. I mean, not only did they had COVID, but then they had what the big storm. Uh, so there's uh, stuff there. If you like elixirs and you're having trouble, uh, be open to try clear tones and other coded type strings. You know what I mean? Um, elixirs. So, you know, uh, as far as I know, things could change. My information is dated by at least three to four years ago. Uh, didn't make their own strings. Um, they bought strings and then coded them. So that could be why they're having a shortage because obviously if they're pulling their 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 uh, their strings from somebody else and and uh, I had heard once uh, now it was from a string rep sales rep, you know what I mean so he's in the know but who knows if he was telling me what was accurate. He told me that elixir sells so many strings that they have to actually buy strings from multiple sources. So that's probably the case. The one thing is this, uh, if there's a string shortage and you're concerned about it, uh, what I would suggest is just pay attention. Don't, don't worry about brands for a while then. Just pay attention to the ingredients. So in other words, if you like elixirs, the strings you like, may, pay attention if they're 80-20s or phosphor bronze, if they're nickel coated or if they're just pure nickels. Uh, it, you know what I mean? If they're the phosphor, uh, not phosphor, if they're the uh, polywebs or the nanowebs. Now keep in mind, most everyone else is going to be a nanoweb technology. They're spraying on the stuff. Uh, uh, elixir was kind of first on the scene. So they started with the polywebs, which were like dipped strings. So this, the coating was really thick and it kind of came off like a snakeskin and people didn't like that. So they came up with nanowebs like sprayed on. And so companies like Daddario sprayed on too. Everybody kind of copies them now. Uh, so that's what I would suggest for that. If that, if that helps, I, I haven't, I haven't heard anything, but keep in mind, I buy, uh, I'm a, I use two kinds of strings for me personally. I use Daddario and I use Stringjoy and I get them in bulk. I buy them in tens, at least 10, 10 sets. Um, so so I'm probably three months out, maybe four months out, if I really was starting to use a lot of strings before I'm running out of strings. Uh, let's see. The Convert says, hey, Phil, I have a Les Paul with a P100 uh, HB, which I think is humbucker, uh, in the bridge. It, I like its characteristics, but it's a bit dark to my ear. Is there a wiring change I could make to brighten it up a little? Uh well, there's going to be a 500, 500K pot in there. Uh, and so, I mean, you could go to one meg, but I don't think it would make a, a lick of difference. There's no, obviously everything is going to be about, re, uh, everything is about really subtracting, you know what I mean? So taking things away, you can't really add things. So um, it's going to be tough. My, my thought would be, I'm trying to think, I mean, there's a couple things I could say, but they're so cliche. That's all the reason I'm saying, which is like, hey, you could disconnect your tone pod or you can make a direct out to the output jack, you know, volume to output jack and kind of restrict that. Um, you could change out the potentiometer on the volume pod. But again, you know what I mean? We're talking about a little bit. My guess is, is the thing I would recommend seriously to do is uh, try to find some kind of EQing pedal or some way to EQ it out. I know that sounds cheesy, but... I do that exact same thing. I use a Boss G7. That's the one I like, but I mean, some people like the MXR. There's all kinds of great EQ pedals out there. I find an EQ pedal will save your butt um, because it's just inherently something you can just get used to, to doing. And what happens is you just set it so that, um, so to unity gain. Uh, unity gain is basically when you turn on the pedal and turn off the pedal, there's no jump or subtraction of, vo of volume. It's the same. So I set the EQ pedal to unity gain so you don't notice any kind of push. I'm not pushing the amp in any way. And I use the EQ to kind of sort that out. I have no problem doing that. Some, some people get a little sensitive about that. They don't want to 
artificially change the tone, but I, you know, hey, you know what I mean? Uh, the end result is you gotta, if, it like, if you like the way it sounds, you're doing a great job. That's what I would do. I don't know of any other really cool little tricks to do anything with 500K. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if I've tried anything in the past. Not then. Usually it's the other, usually everybody has the opposite problem. They're trying to dull something down. It's too bright. So, so everything I know is usually tricks with capacitors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, or so, uh, so give that, give that a try or try it out. Uh, the next thing is Randy Cook, Crooks, R Crooks, like Crooks guitars. Hold on. And we'll hit his real quick. His says, hey, Phil, I just bought an Epiphone exclusive Rivera 12 string. Penny for your thoughts. Um, I don't know what my thoughts are on that. <laughs> uh, I, love, I love the way 12 strings sound. Let's start there. I love the way 12 strings sound. Uh, I don't play 12 strings because I hate tuning them. It's, it's the most horrible. I, I, think, I think for me, it feels like the most horrible thing to admit out loud in a public forum is that I'm so lazy that I don't want to tune a 12 string guitar. But I love the way they sound. I just, you know what it is? I, every time I think about picking one up and playing it, I go, I just don't want to tune it. <laughs> so, um, but it sounds like a cool guitar. I, I, like I said, I think, I think 12 strings can really make you change the way you play. Uh, not only physically, but I think mentally it makes you change the way you write music too. So it's a nice instrument to have. Okay, so I want to grab some non-super chats. Super chat questions are penned. Like I said, they're not going anywhere. We'll, we'll make sure. Uh, uh, Science Saves, we're talking about the uh, Gibson. He's saying, hey, have you messed with the guitar's pickup height? Technically, if you were to raise the pickup, you could add some more brightness if you weren't at the maximum of what it is. So he's got a good point. I just kind of assumed you were in the sweet spot or in the spot that's correct for you, but he made a great point, and I highlight that. Thank you, Science Saves. Not only is your, your, your name says it all, science saves. Uh, you basically, you're right. So adjusting the pickup would be great. What I would suggest if you do that is, uh, since you're, I know it's silly. I usually will just be lazy and raise it and lower it with my ear, but uh, it's a, usually a good idea to take some measurements, measure it where it's at from the, uh, from the top of the pickup to the bottom of the, uh, the, the low string into the high string and tilt it. Also, don't be afraid to tilt the, the pickup. Uh, if you want more bright, tilt the pickup towards uh, the, the treble side of the strings a little bit more. Uh, that's how Fender does it. Again, you know, these are all small changes. Everything that's suggested to you will be small, but maybe that small change is enough. I hope, I hope it is. I hope it sounds, I hope it fixes it. Uh, Michael Wolf says, what's the yellow guitar behind you? That's a 1988 BC Rich uh, ST3 um, that I did a video on, so I'll put a link in that. It's uh, one I got. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Uh, actually, been playing it a lot, which shocked me because when I got it, it was more of like a, you know, I wanted it because I wanted one when I was a kid kind of thing. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's find a. Okay, I want to find one more question mark. And again, question mark first. If you're trying to get a question to me, my Michael, I want to say Mikael. Mikael says, hey, Phil, why my telly has a very slight drop on volume on the middle position after I put new pickups on? By the way, lots 
of us were lonely before you came across around. Yeah, well, I'm glad. I mean, I'm not glad you're lonely, but I'm glad you could relate. Cause I, like I said, I kind of felt like this uh, YouTube was literally the the way I could connect with people who enjoy what I enjoy. And uh, I'm, I hope, and man, I deep down when I started doing this live show, I'm not gonna lie, the live show just felt kind of weird to me at first. And I used to, I used to have issues with it, and then then it turned into this thing I love to do. Um, because of this, because like this little community we have, we get to talk and, and talk about guitars, things I love. Um, so back to your problem, you, that's exactly what a telly should do, by the way. Uh, you, uh, if you don't want it to do that, so your, your fix for that is this, simple, is you want to put in like a four-way switch. If you put in the four-way telly switch, you will have the best of both worlds. You'll have uh, your bridge position, then you'll have your two middle positions, which will be uh, uh, half the volume of not half but it will be a slight drop in volume but a little fuller sounding than any one of the single positions then you'll have your neck position and then your fourth position i could be wrong because i'm not i don't have my guitar in the room otherwise i'd plug it in and check i can't remember which order it is it's uh three is either way <laughs> either three is the, the, the dual but you're going to get now you're going to get volume kick up or uh, you're going to go to four uh, and get the volume kick up. Either way, that's how you do it. But the core to your question, which is important, is nothing's wrong with the guitars um, or the pickups. That's what they're supposed to do. They're doing what they're supposed to do. That's why some people love tellies and some people hate them for that exact reason. Um, okay. We have Neil. Neil says, hey, Phil, uh, if you had a 2016... Uh, it's 13, sorry, 2013 Gibson SG 60s Tribute and a 2017 Made in Mexico Strat with an upgraded USA locking tuners and bridge. Both guitars in excellent unused condition, which would be worth the higher value and roughly by how much? Uh, well, I'm going to guess. I'm going to say the Gibson SG. I'm going to say uh, the Gibson SG Tribute guitar and i have no idea because i haven't looked one up in forever but i'm going to say the tribute's got to be pulling in what six seven hundred dollars now used and the mim strat even with upgrades is going to still probably be about 450 to 500 because as we know upgrades uh that's why if you notice when i when i started my upgrade videos my highly focus so you gotta stand different than some channels highly on my channel i focus on when you do upgrades the ability to remove them without anyone knowing they were there I highly focused on that. I still focus on that. That's because for 13 years, I watched you guys make pouty faces at me while I basically told you I won't give you any money for your trade-in because you put all this great stuff in it. Um, now, that's my exaggerated way of saying that situation, but I really want to bear that ho at home uh, to you guys. I literally, every day, would guys come in going, hey, man, I have a Mixon Strat. What's it worth? And I go, 300 bucks. And they go, oh, well, it's got American pickups in it. It's got this in it. And I put this in it. And I did this to it. And then I did this mod. And I did this stuff. And it's got strap locks. And what's it worth? And I go... 320. <laughs> I'm not laughing because I'm laughing because it happened, not because I think it's funny what happens to people. But basically, we all know if you upgrade guitars, uh, you don't get any of that money back. Uh, and uh, so uh, Max, Guitar Max, uh, good channel, by the way. I'll put a link to him. Good channel. He said something once. I, I caught it in a, you know how YouTube just runs and I like, you know, all the videos are like running in the background while I'm working. He said something about never, never upgrade your guitars buy somebody else who upgraded theirs and, and, and get it for a steal. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but it was beautifully said. It was basically like, you know, basically calling people who mod their guitars up suckers because they're not going to get that money and then you can score a deal. Now, how I feel is, although he's, I think there's a lot of truth to what he said, 
obviously, because that's why I preach what I'm preaching, which is why I'm telling you guys, when you upgrade your guitars, keep all your original components, which is why I always remind you guys in all the videos, keep all the original parts. Don't do modifications that do not uh, alter the guitar so that if you go to sell that guitar, put all the old stuff back in and keep all your old component compartment or components uh, so you don't have to take the hit. And everybody loves to tell me on the channel, I love, and I say everybody, small group, but they're vocal. They're like, hey, uh, but I don't sell my guitars. And I'm like, yeah, here's the problem though. Everybody says they don't sell them until they do. <laughs> So the the funny part about that is it's not that you buy a guitar with the intent to sell it. Um, so, you know, I don't ever buy any guitar thinking I'm going to sell it. Otherwise, I wouldn't buy it. I buy a guitar aware of the fact that you outgrow or you change your mood. You know what I mean? Some of you, some some guitar players are lucky. They're just lucky. You know, um, here's a good example. We all know who the lucky guitar player is. The lucky guitar player is that guy you meet or gal, and they have 10 of the same guitar, <laughs> right? Like they love that guitar. That's the guitar they play all the time and no other guitar. And even more so the ones that have one, but we're talking about even if they have a bunch, it's the same guitar. Like I play tellies and just tellies. I play strats. And, uh, and that's the person who's figured out who they are as a musician, <laughs> right? They're like, this is who I am. This is the sound I like. This is what I'm gonna do with it. The rest of us, we just kind of meander around trying to figure this out. And, uh, and it's just how it works. Yeah, somebody said Tom Morello. Of course, there's a lot of great examples, great guitar players who, who get a sound and, go, and just do it all the time. Um, so, so if you're that person, that's great. You're probably not watching a gear channel, though. But you, maybe you are. Maybe you're in the audience and you just want to watch, you know, watch. But uh, the most of us are like, it's not that I buy a guitar and go, man, I can't wait in six months to get rid of this. <laughs> You know what I mean? I just realized like, man, and the other thing is, this is the important part uh, about the resale value and why sometimes the focus is on resale value. It has nothing to do with the collecting part. People think a lot of time the discussion of resale value has to do with collecting. It has nothing to do with that. The resale value, in my opinion, is generally surrounded around the idea that there's a belief system that it takes a while to figure out you don't like something. Okay? It's taken me sometimes years to, to decide that this is not for me. Because for a while it's like, I, I like it. it. It sounds good, it feels good, it's what, I, it's what I like. And then years go by and then you start going, you know, maybe this isn't it. Maybe this is what, what I was going to. And sure, you can get sick of it for sure, but sometimes it's as simple as, it's not that you're sick of it, it's just not who you are anymore. I don't play the same way I did 20 years ago. I literally, I literally, I'm literally like Metallica. <laughs> And I mean this is a nice way, because I love Metallica, by the way. I'm a, I'm a huge Metallica fan. But I want to say this because I think it's important. Like Metallica, every year, I'm less metal than I was before. <laughs> I got to hope nobody from Metallica ever sees this and gets mad at me, because I really love you guys. <laughs> but, I, and it's not a dig. It's actually a, 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 a point. A point is, as you get older, you get a that's the whole point. You get a little less metal. Not all of us. Pantera got more metal as they got older. But for the rest of us, I'm a little less metal than I was last year. I'm a little less aggressive. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, you know, that's what happens. My strings change. My preference in strings change. My preference in pickups change. My preference in guitars change. By the way, Tone Talk's in the house. Hey, Tone Talk. Let's go up. Um, uh, and the, uh, and by the way, I'll put a link right now to Tone Talk's channel. I forgot who they're interviewing this week, they just did Ron Thorne, I thought. Pretty sure. Uh, and if you guys don't know who Ron Thorne is, 
he's amazing. So I'll put a link to that video uh, if and uh, and uh, so you guys can check out their channel. Uh, but it's Mark Kuzansky and Dave Freeman. If you guys don't know who those guys are, you should. The uh, the next part is what I can say is back to the met less metal thing is that's what I basically getting at. Some some guys are blues players from, you know, and, and, and they get older and they stay that way. I'm literally more of a rock guy who's been taming down for the last 20 years. So there you go. There's my say. OK, let's get let's get to some of the pen questions because they're they're building up again. And we have who's the next one? Well, I drink water. Or vodka, as we've determined. It could be either one. We don't know. Okay, we have Voodoo Voodoo Fist. Oops, sorry. So I hit my microphone. microphone. Voodoo Fist is super chat for no reason. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, just hitting the tip jar for me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Joe McKinney says, hey, thoughts on soft, medium, hard uh, duet EL34 tubes. Um, so mostly when I've dealt with that tubes, uh, tubes, uh, and this whole soft medium thing, that has really been more of a groove tubes thing where they have different types of them. Like they have a spectrum one to 10 here. Here's the thing. I am so not a tubes person. So as a tube layman, let me tell you what I generally follow for myself. And, and although this won't help anybody out, except for the people who are just generally into tubes like me, um, there's a couple things. First of all, uh, you know, there's a rumor that only like what two factories in the world make tubes. And that's pretty much true by the way. Okay. And so most tube companies, then the next rumor is that all the tube brands are just labeling different, you know, the tubes, different brands. That's actually not entirely true. What's what I, my understanding is, is that they're all tube testing companies. So they all test the tubes and that's kind of like their shtick, right? So, uh, different tube companies like groove tubes have a, have, they do like a one to 10 thing where they grade them. Right. And then like Mesa boogie, their whole thing is they match them all up. So they only use like one kind of type of tube. That's why you don't have to bias any of the Mesa Boogie amps, is my understanding. So you just buy Mesa Boogie tubes and they, they pop in because they, all, they basically make sure all the tubes are within that range of what they need. So that's my understanding of it. It's very general. I have friends that are tube amp builders, uh, obviously, that are very smart. And if I have a question like that, I go to them. <laughs> so, But generally, I don't have these questions because here's why. Um, what I've learned is with messing with tubes, I went down a rabbit hole a couple times with tubes. And for me, what I learned was I like JJ tubes. I don't know what it is. I just like them. They're cheap and they do what they're supposed to do for me. However, some people really get into tubes. And right now there's somebody out there who's like, what? No, it's definitely like Tungstool or whatever, Tungstool or whatever, or Electro Harmonics or whatever brand that they love. Um, but uh, but I, I have a buddy, of course, I have a, a couple of friends, like I said, they're two builders and they all have great advice, but I had one buddy in particular that gave me a piece of advice. And he said, I said, when do you, how do you know when you change a tube? And he goes, when your amp doesn't work. And I'm like, all right, I'll just go with that. So, uh, to answer your question, the whole, uh, low, medium, high, uh, tube thing. Uh, when, when I, you know, obviously I was a Fender dealer for years and when Fender bought groove tubes, they, they sent us a display. We became a groove tubes dealer. Groove tubes to me are the worst tubes. Uh, I say that, I say that, uh, because obviously I hate saying that publicly cause I don't want to slam a brand for it, but man, I've had the worst luck personally with groove tubes in every way you can. 
uh, possible. So I don't know what it is. I, when I was younger, uh, I remember paying to upgrade my amps to groove tubes. And then when it became, so when I became a groove tubes dealer, I was super excited, but half the tubes we got were defective. And when we go to Fender, they were like, yeah, we're, we're dealing with it. <laughs> and then that kind of scarred me. And then since then I'm have bad issues. And, and, um, in fact, one of my favorite things to talk about groove tubes is an issue is this. I did a video, uh, early on in the channel talking about how you put a 12 AT7 in the V1 spot on a hot rod to tame it down. I got that idea, of course, because the George Benson uh, hot rod, that's what they did. They just put a 12 AT in the V1 spot. They put a different speaker in it and they, that's how they fixed the, you know, the, the harshness of the distortion at first on that amp. And I always liked that amp and I thought, oh, okay. So all I need is the 12 AT and I tried it and it worked. So I did a video called how to tame your, your volume on your, on your hot rod. If you, if you go to that video, cause it's kind of viral, a couple hundred thousand views. If you look at that video, it's plagued with thousands. I don't know, maybe I'm exaggerating hundreds, but it feels like thousands, thousands of comments like, thanks, Phil. That was awesome. Hey, it worked. It's great. Hey, Hey, I, my, my, my amp's now microphonic. Did you have this issue? And you'll see that, that comment over and over. Hey, I did it. And now it's worse. Oh, I did it. Now it's microphonic. And every time you'll see me poking in there going, is it a groove tube? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, it's every time it's a groove tube. So I don't know what it is. So, um, so thoughts on the soft, medium, hard thing. I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts. I just kind of like, you know, that's what I've discovered so far. Um, maybe it's time to have like a tube expert come on the channel. That'd be something cool. That's, you know, as you guys know, what I like to do is, uh, I take the stuff I do know. I talk about that. I take the stuff I don't know. We make videos so we can all figure it out together. Right. That's definitely a video series that I would love to do to have somebody come on and teach us about tubes, uh, especially for the guys like me out there who are uh, into tube amps, but not, you know, I don't want to learn everything about there is about a tube, but I want to definitely learn what I should be looking for. Um, and so that we'll try that. Uh, Sarang's back. Hey, what's up, Sarang? Haven't seen you in a while. Uh, well, maybe it was last week. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes it feels like a while. It says, happy Friday, Phil. What kind of strat wiring do you prefer? Okay, uh, so I'll hit that one first. Uh, well, actually, he talks about some of the stuff, so hold on. Uh, he says, also, do you think that the blender mod on a strat makes sense it, uh, if one has a telly? Uh, well, the blender mod... It, so let's get back to the core of the question. What's my favorite strat wiring? Uh, basic strat wiring, but I liked my bottom tone control wired to my bridge pickup and my middle tone control, uh, or should I say the middle control, which is tone, connected to my uh, neck and middle. And that's how I like to have my strat wiring. I don't do anything else. Um, I generally on a strat, I don't put a treble bleed and I don't do the, the vintage mod where I uh, wire I ground out to to do the treble bleed uh, on the switch, which is another easy mod. Um, I don't use any of the TBX circuits that's by Fender, although those are great. And I don't do the blender mod, uh, which is another cool thing. Um, and that's all because for me, if I'm picking up a Strat, it's a very boring thing. I'm going to be on position five or four the whole time. <laughs> it's just either the neck pickup or the neck and middle. That's kind of where I am the whole time. Um, and that's where I do that. Uh, and so the reason I, I like the, the tone control on the attached to the bridge pickup for me is because if I do use the bridge, if it's too bright, I want to be able to tame that off a little bit. Just take that a little bit off. Plus not to mention it helps if you run a little gain, you get a little six cycle hum, you can tone that back a little bit and make the hum kind of, uh, go underneath the distortion. Otherwise they don't hear it so abruptly up top. So that's the thing. So it's very basic for me. 
Now, doing all the mods, what I've learned is is not that any of them are bad. It's I learned that everybody doesn't use them, and that's what I think happens with a lot of these things. Uh, coil splits are the same with me. I, I don't use coil splits very often. Uh, so on all my guitars, if I have a coil split, if I install a coil split on my guitar, it's only to my neck pickup. So, and if I buy a guitar <laughs> that has coil splits, uh, if it has dual coil splits, then fine. If it has one switch or one push pull that activates both pickups, I actually go in and I, I detach the bridge pickup and then I, I shrink wrap the end off. And so I, when I'm flipping the switch or pulling the push pull on the coil split, it's only happening to the neck. And so my bridge is always, our humbucker is always a humbucker on the bridge. So that's, uh, that's how I do that. Again, very boring, but, uh, that's, you know. You asked me what I did. There it is. <laughs> so, that's it. I'm going to have to do some more exciting stuff. You know what it is? The better questions I think we should probably do is uh, somebody gave me a great question last week uh, off. It came at the end and I didn't catch it. Uh, and it was basically about doing wirings. And uh, and I'm like, yes. And I started doing some and sending them to my patrons. And the problem I have with the wiring is in the videos, which I will, I've worked out. That's why I thank you for the patrons for helping me get through those was uh, the camera I'm using. I, I'm a one man crew. And what happened is as I'm working and then I go to edit the thing that I want you to pay attention to, the thing of the compartment, the thing of the part, it's out of focus because the camera focuses on my hand and stuff. It's really hard to do this. So COVID through, through again, I don't, I hate to keep blaming this on this, but it is true. Um, there, we had set up some studio time, actual studio. I actually was renting a studio to have a, a friend and my son come in and we were going to spend three days at a time filming content. And, and it was like, that was the plan. And then that all fell through. So, there you go. So it will that happen again? Absolutely. As soon as there's, soon as the clouds open, whatever it is, whatever it takes, we're going to do that. Cause that's, uh, in fact, um, that has been my, what I've been looking forward to all year. Um, grumpy Mike, grumpy guitar, grumpy guitar, Mike, grumpy Mike guitar. That's funny that I can't get it right. Even though I'm looking at it. Grumpy Mike guitar. Grumpy, I just call you grumpy Mike. Is that okay, Mike? Uh, it says, and why not? Is gear acquisition uh, weekend for me? Uh-oh. He says, and since I just can't seem to give my money away fast enough. Uh-oh. That means he's up to something, going to buy a guitar. I'm done buying guitars forever. <laughs> I know you guys right now are like, yeah, sure. Look, here's the deal. I'll reveal it when it's time. I, I, t I told you guys uh, last week that my wife bought me a guitar. What I didn't tell you was she bought me a guitar that pretty much makes it to where I'm never going to buy a guitar for a while. <laughs> I'm very happy, by the way. It's been two weeks and still the honeymoon is beautiful with my wife, too. <laughs> but the guitar is amazing. Um, and so I plan to do a video about it. I've just been trying to figure out how to do a video about it. I don't want to do like a, hey, look, I got a guitar. I wanted to, you know, do something cool. The Hungry Horse says... Nothing. He just hit the tip jar and he gave me this cool emoji with like a sticker with a guy with a thumbs up, his hat backwards. And uh, that was cool. Cool sticker. Uh, Brad says, Phil, thoughts on Seymour Duncan P-Rails in the neck uh, for a Telecaster. I need to send something in snail mail address. Uh, easy enough, Brad. My address is, uh, it used to be public. It's not anymore. Um, I'll, pu I'll put it on this uh, thing because it's a public address. It's a, it's a type of... Um, 
uh, P.O. box, but it's not a P.O. box. Uh, it is, but it isn't. What's important is sometimes you have trouble sending to P.O. boxes. I have a physical address P.O. box, if that makes any sense. Um, and uh, and uh, so the answer, the next quite the more important part is the more important part is your question on the P rails. I love the P rails. I think to me one of the most underrated pickups in history of guitar pickups, the P rail. Don't know why it didn't take off. It's a, it's a good sounding pickup. Okay, it is. And with the um, triple shot pickup rings, it's just an amazing thing. Uh, and then add in the fact that it does everything, a P90 sound, a humbucker sound, and a single coil sound. Um, it To me, it falls under the realm, I think, of guitar players, like it's a utility thing, like it does everything. So everybody's like, oh, it doesn't do anything well. But I think it does all those things pretty well. Why why we don't uh, all buy them and stick them in our guitars, I don't know. But the ones th that are d d do it should, uh, are ones that do do it are really happy. Um, I'm trying to, th I'm thinking and talking, which is a bad idea because I'm thinking about the fact that I probably need to get a set of P rails and put them in a guitar again. So funny, funny thing about this, I had a video, I never did it on the P rails, I did it on the triple shots, but I had a set of P rails in a guitar and I loved them. And then what happened was, I sold the guitar and I said in the description, I will put the original pickups in it. And that's where I messed up. And the person said, can I have those pickups? And I, so I sent it with those pickups when I sold it. And uh, that was a bad move. So, cause I didn't want the original pickups and that's what I was stuck with. So um, long story short, I will definitely, I'm gonna commit right now, Brad, I will get a set of P rails and I will, uh, uh, and I will install them uh, and I'll do it in the Somnium guitar and do it. Uh, I'll install triple sh shots and do the whole thing. I'll do a full demo of it. It's great. I'll, I'll do it. I don't know why I'm not doing it. It's great. Um, and it's something I get my hands on. I think I've told you guys this. I literally, guys, thank you guys for being patient on the whole pickup videos. I am kidding you not is now this is the third. This is number 70, right? So it was 69, 68. In episode 68, so three weeks ago, I told you guys that that Friday I was getting a set of pickups for this video. They are still in the mail, still. Steel, still, still in the mail from Chicago. That's right. And so I, I emailed the company and I talked to them and they said that customers have been claiming that it's been taking six weeks to get stuff. So I'm just stuck in the water with these pickups for this video that I need to do. Uh, all right. Okay. Um, uh, Rasha? Rasha says, uh, uh, looking for a single coil, so a three sing SSS, single, 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 Strat style guitar. Thinking about a Schechter Nick Johnson. That's a fantastic guitar. Model due to the upgrades. Any manufacturers you think improve the old hat other than G&L, sir, less known, not $3,000. Sure. Yeah. In fact, I'm kind of, I, I kind of know where you're going with this because I kind of feel the same way. I kind of feel like, hey, uh, you know, uh, I'm really not enjoying the whole I make a $3,000 Strat thing. You know what I mean? I love Strats and Strats are kind of expensive. And then now there's like this whole world of people who make Strats that are twice as much as a Fender Strat. So it's like weird. So I, I understand what you're saying. The Nick Johnson one's really good. Um, you know, it's tough because what you're really looking for, and I know because that's what the Nick Johnson kind of hits the nail on the head. You're looking for that middle of the row good Strat. In other words, the one who does it as good as Fender, but not charging $3,000. Um, and I mean, I, I said it before, I like my Shiji a lot. The question of the day is, do I like the Nick Johnson more than the Shiji? Uh, I like the neck on the Shiji more than the Nick Johnson. And I think that's the main driving point for the, the Shiji guitar and why I like it. But 
Now, Nick Johnson is as good in, in almost every way. It's just a really good quality instrument. Um, what else? I'm looking around my room for inspiration of guitars because, like I said, I, 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 I don't know. I'm trying to think who else makes a cool Strat. Let's see if you guys... Let's Hold on. Let me go to the stream. Maybe you guys have a great suggestion. As, as the screen looks frozen. Okay. Um... I don't know. I'm going to say the Nick Johnson's the way to go. Uh, I can't, I will put a link to anything else I can think of when I, when I index this, but I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. Otherwise I think I would have one right now because I like strats and I mostly stick to, I think there's nothing wrong with a Mexican strat. It's like, to me, it's like the ultimate uh, mid-price instrument. Uh, Ben's question is, hi from Kansas City. Says, uh, for the tip jar, barbecue time, barbecue time. It is barbecue time. They, uh, where I live, it's not 118 anymore. We're like 109 today. I know that sounds silly to you guys, but to us, it's like, that's actually livable now. <laughs> just, um, let's see. Andres Beller, Baller. Andres Baller says, hey, Phil, looking for a cheaper ES330, ES335 style guitar. Any thoughts on the Ibanez Art Star guitars? Any other suggestions? Um, so ES335, ES335 uh, style guitars that I like are... Um, I think Harley Benton makes a good one. I think uh, Firefly made a good one that I tried that I liked. Uh, I like some of the old Washburn style ones that are, you can pick up dirt cheap online used. That's fairly cool. Ibanez Art Star is a pretty good guitar. The cool thing about the hollow body guitars like that is they're generally all made the same way. So it's not like some other guitars where the expensive ones are made a lot differently than the inexpensive ones. Usually, of course, the Gibson ones are going to have a nitro lacquer finish versus the imports, which will all be polyurethane. There's a little difference in that. Um, the But, I mean, you can, you know, but that doesn't really really change a whole lot. Um, I, I've been saying this for the last year and a half, and I still haven't pulled the trigger. I want an ES-335 style guitar. I don't have one now. I don't know why I don't have one right now. Uh, I like them. I always like them. And I've been looking at the Epiphone one. And I know that sounds a little not exciting, but it's the truth. Because all the ones, uh, every time a customer brings me an Epiphone to work on ES-335 style dot guitar, uh, Sherrington, I, I, Sherrington I, I love them. I pick them up, play them, and go, yeah, I should just buy this. So, uh Davey says, hey, Phil, do you think uh, hybrid string sets like 10 to 52 uh, can do twist damage on your neck uh, in the long term? No, I, I've never heard or seen that. Uh, now, there might be something out there like on a gear page somewhere talking about that. Um, you got to understand, to twist a neck, usually the strings are not going to be the culprit. The, the guitar neck, in most cases, now again, different necks, different cases right but we're going to say the majority of necks out there can handle way more than what the strings are ever going to do so the 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 reason the the thought process between the reason thinking that the neck would twist is that the 52 gauge string has so much more tension than this 10 gauge uh string right so when you tighten them up you know it's going to somehow like this it's going to be pulling like imagine somebody pulling on two ropes and you're pulling so much harder on one side that you're now pulling you know and and causing this issue with the uh the headstock to, to to twist and make the neck twist right um but you have to understand that the 52 gauge string 
it is like nothing to the guitar. It's nothing. It's not not going to hurt that neck. It just can't do it. It's uh, it's you know. <laughs> so um, so to answer your question, not likely. Now, if they were on the guitar and other things happened, like there was humidity and the guitar was setting against the wall and there's all these variables, then it's possible. But keep in mind, I'm just using the word possible because I have to, I have to. I have to uh, go ahead and say that there's a there's a possibility. So there's the possibility. But no, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Uh, I wouldn't at, at all, to be honest. Um, okay. Okay, what else? Oh, so Killer Karma says, still waiting for my start uh, my my Spark amp ordered off the the video um, the video I did. So I'm curious. Like I said, I've seen most people got theirs, but what I don't know, Killer Karma, is where you're at because I have seen. So what I'm curious about is uh, is I've seen where people are getting them, and some people say they haven't got them. But everyone who says they haven't got them are usually in different countries and stuff like that. So I'm not sure. So keep keep me apprised if you could next week if you could let me know and i'll try to look for you and see uh if you get it or if you can send it to ask gear at gmail.com my uh my email address let me know when you get it i'm curious these guys seem to be they seem to be on it now um and uh and then oh you know that brought up a great question somebody was uh i saw somebody was asking about issues with the amp somebody was saying that they're having issues so the number one issue i've heard about the amp is that it hums um mine that's what i was gonna say mine only hums and I, I, when i use a high gain overdrive or distortion pedal on it no other way does it hum and uh the interesting part about that is is that I don't mean when the pedal's on. I'm, yeah, I mean when the pedal's on. But I mean even when the pedal's not on, it's like if I use those pedals, for some reason the amp starts to hum a little bit. Um, and so I, I contact, I send an email to Positive Grid saying they had the issue. They said they hadn't heard of that. This was early on and that they said that they would look into it. Um, but since then, what's happened is I've kind of just decided not to run the high gain pedals to them, not because of that issue, just, you know, the amp has those tones. So I haven't had much of an issue, but I have saw... A couple comments out on the internet, somebody saying there's this humming, but not with pedals, just humming in general. Um, now, what I can tell you guys is, again, I'm not an expert on this by any means. I'm just telling you from experience of, of things I've seen, is that there's probably, my guess is there's a, probably a Class D power amp in there. So probably digital power amp. That would be my guess. And what I can tell you is that Class D amps sometimes have a hum in them. And usually that could mean that there's an issue it's defective and sometimes it could be because like I said they they pick up that sound somewhere uh in your house or what you're doing so uh what i would tell you is if you're having the hum what you want to definitely do is try to figure out how to isolate your amp so if you're in a room uh you know make sure you go to a different room on a different breaker you know try to make sure you're not on the you know the same breaker or something that could be causing the hum uh, or try a different location altogether and if that uh, fixes it then you know it's it's you and if it doesn't fix it then you know you have an issue but my guess is and here's what i would suggest is if you're having a hum in your amp i would actually send an email to the positive grid guys and let them know because it's possible they're getting a bad batch of of uh, class d amps it's possible because uh, i've dealt with that i mean that's why i'm telling you the story i've dealt with this in the past as a retailer we had uh amps a lot of amps are class d amps uh digital amps, power amps on the uh, inexpensive kind of practice amps. And we, we've experienced where, 
you know, we gave a customer one, they come back and they said it's humming. We checked it, it was. We give them a new one. They came back the next day, they go, this one's humming too. And then we pulled another one of the box, checked it, it was humming and it was a bad batch. I, I don't want to make, I, I'm cautious about that because I don't want you guys to make you paranoid about something that maybe is not a problem. But I've heard it and seen it enough now in, in videos that it might be an issue. So definitely check that out. Other than that, still loving the amp. I had, like I said, that's the only issue I had was the humming on the high gain pedal. And other than that, I haven't had any issues. I've seen a couple of people complain about a couple other things in it, but I haven't experienced that with my amp. And like I said, I'm using mine pretty regular. I mean, at least once a day. Uh, what else do we got? We have... Chuck M Music says, Hey, Phil, I pick, uh, I pick up a Gretsch Jr., on an open box deal for 250 bucks. I heard you mention it was cool. It's awesome. I totally blew me away for the price. I love that guitar. It says, uh, it's my first Gretsch. Thanks for the info. You're welcome, buddy. I'm glad it worked out, especially, uh, uh, you know, did you got it on a deal? That's always nice too, right? It feels a little better when you get it like a little, a little price, a little price cut. I think the, I think this, you know, there's a ton of reasons why getting a deal makes people happy. Obviously, you know, it's put, it's money in your pocket. You didn't spend. Sometimes it feels like you won a little bit, almost like winning. <laughs> competition <laughs> when you save money but a lot of times for me it it's, it's just like it makes it makes it easier to enjoy the fact that you're buying something that you don't need you know what i mean this is none of this stuff is as want uh needs this is all wants right this is uh if you're watching this channel and you're hanging out talking about guitars we're all fortunate enough to get to talk about this stuff to some degree um and uh so yeah i always like it's cool so it's cool you got on a deal and like i said that's a great guitar um my hollow body video will be up soon soon too so i'm curious to see what everybody thinks of that uh soy something i'm gonna say soy sorry buddy soy dementrate whatever soy says hey phil got a charvel dk24 humbucker humbucker and i'm loving it thanks for the advice i love that guitar so much that guitar uh is one of the few guitars i've ever owned in my life where i like it more now than i did when i bought it and it keeps growing on me and uh so you know, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. Uh, that guitar I like so much that um, I'm having it. I'm having it custom painted. So um, mine's the black one. As you guys know, I had the green one. I love the green one, but I didn't like the middle pickup. I just didn't. So I, I decided to get the dual humbucker one. Uh, nothing wrong with the humbucker single humbucker. Just you know, I wanted the humbucker humbucker. And the only thing I didn't like about the humbucker humbucker was it's black, and that's great, you know. But I mean, I have black guitars, you know, right there. And uh, I had an opportunity to get it custom painted, so I'm getting it custom painted. Um, Syndicate says, "Hey Phil, thinking of getting a Strat, would you recommend the Fender American Performer over the Shiji Strap?" Yeah, of course. Um, now I say, of course. See how I said that so dismissively. Um, I want to say how much I love the Shiji's quality, but keep in mind, I'm sorry. It's just the truth. There's no way that buying the Shiji over a, a American-made Special Strat is is the smarter move. It's a great guitar. And if you want something different, it's cool. And if you want those features, because obviously you're not going to get that from Fender. You're not going to get the roasted maple neck like that. You're not going to get the Godot-style bridge. Um, it's a really cool uh, price point. It's going to be cheaper. It's I think with shipping and everything, it kind of inches up on there. Like I said, I'm really... But here's what's very clear about this. Um, as much as I've praised the Shiji guitar, because I think it deserves it. It's a guitar that deserves it. I don't have any snobbish... Uh, I don't have any uh, snobbish attitudes towards where a guitar's made, okay? Um, 
so if it's Indonesia or if it's, you know, Korea or Japan or USA, you know, you know, it's not about that. What it's about for me is, is Shiji is a no name brand and therefore a Fender is always going to be the longer, better purchase, not just in case you ever sell it, but it's just, it's just a, it's a better instrument in that regard. The Shiji is definitely for someone. So you can't think of it like that is what I'm trying to get at. Don't think of it as, okay, should I get the Shiji or the Fender? Which one's the better one quality wise? Think about this way. The Shiji is for someone who's looking for somebody who's, the Shiji is for someone who doesn't want a Fender Strat is basically. So as soon as you said, should I get the Fender Strat or this? Well, you, to me, you, you're saying, you're not looking for something different. That's what the Shiji guitar is. That's its market. There's a lot of companies that to me, they niche out the fact that people just don't want to own a Fender. Fender is just, you know, for whatever reason, there's a thousand reasons why somebody doesn't want to own a Fender. And so that's what you do. But me personally, I would buy the Fender uh, players, no players, I'm sorry, performer series uh, over, over the Shiji. And I really like the Shiji. So I say that because I want you to know how much I really appreciate the, the uh, performer. Okay. Um, Craig says, Hey, Phil, I have an orange rocker 15. That's too fizzy at one watt bedroom volume. I would like a 10 inch cream back or green back. Would that be a good upgrade? Um, well, I don't think those would actually, well, here's, what's great about those selections. So let me, let me back up. So to me, when I think of the cream back and the green back, they're not going to really defizz that tone out so much. Okay. They're kind of known for having a little fizziness to them, but they also are kind of known for selections kind of known for uh dipping the volume down a little bit in other words you kind of work the amp just a little bit harder i don't know if you guys know that but i mean that's really reason why another, uh, if you do a lot of speaker swaps if you're that crazy you go down that rabbit hole you'll find that to be true you can take the jensen the eminence you know warehouse speakers take all these speakers out uh and uh and uh and of course selections and put them in the same cabinets or the same amps and then start switching between them to try them you'll start noticing that the selections you actually to get the same volume we got to rock the amp a little harder and uh sometimes that's what's nice about them okay in your case that might help your situation to run the amp a little harder my experience with the amps especially the tube amps even lower wattage amps is the fizziness really comes from the amp not breathing out enough uh, lack of a better uh, way of saying that uh you want that amp that you need that volume uh one of my uh one of my amps that i have it's is my dangerous amp is my prs custom 50. that amp is super dangerous uh something that i already kind of knew years ago but obviously uh doing the youtube channel really kind of really just punched it home which is that amp and the right volume is magic it's like got that tone you know what i mean it's just a real full rock sounding amp and it sounds great and then one hair notch below that notch, it's fizzy as hell. And then when I would make videos, sometimes I would just be not paying attention. I would, I would mic the amp up and do the thing. And then you guys would go, man, it sounded kind of fizzy. And I'm like, ah, oh. and I looked and I started paying attention and I go, yeah, you know what it is? I'm not hitting the sweet spot of the amp yet. So a lot of amps, they, they literally, as you don't run them as hard, they get too fizzy and sometimes it's nice to tame them off. So that's what that selection could help with but that's not the speaker i would generally think genuinely think that that's going to fix that problem but that's how it could so uh, there you go the cream back is a little bassier in my experience a little fatter sounding than the green back little teeny bit i have both i have both in different cabinets and i like them both so i only say that because maybe the cream back might help again kind of fatten up the sound if that's a way to do that um and then sometimes so you know 
in my experience, when you have those amps that you would dip down those wattages from 15 down to one watt and stuff, and you're getting the sound, it's a little fizzy. I hate to say it, you got to kick back up to 15 watts and then ride that volume down, down and then find the sweet spot there and just let the amp breathe again. Sometimes the, uh, the, um, uh, attenuation is good, but it's also depends on how they do it. Cause remember there's different ways to get there. Some, some amp companies do attenuation much differently than others. Uh, there's all kinds of ways. So you have to kind of experience this. So you, and uh, on a side note, and uh, again, love to hear people's uh, feedback in the comments. Uh, again, from my experience with these amps, trying them, the majority of them, those that dip down in wattages, it's just horse crap. <laughs> See, we keep PG-13 around here. It's horse crap. Uh, literally, yeah, the, the the whole, you know, half the amps, uh, I said half, I said majority, whatever whatever the number I'm saying, almost all of them. So, you know, few exceptions. The majority of them, when it's 50 watts and it goes, go to 25 and that it's horrible. It's It does everything that you don't want the damn thing to do. It thins out, it gets fizzier. It's the opposite. It's right. What you want is you want it to sound like how it sounds at 50 Watts at, at, at volume three to five, depending on your type of amp and uh, where it's starting to breathe and roar a little bit. And you want that and you want to hit that switch and watch it drop the volume. So you can get that sound quiet. And usually what happens is you drop that vol that, that switch. And then everything you love about the amp just left out the door <laughs> and you're left with fizzy crap. So, um, so my point is, is that don't, don't get, uh, I took me forever to just realize that maybe sometimes that's legit as a feature. And sometimes that's just marketing crap. So, um, cause, cause here's why, um, let me give you an example of an amp that doesn't need it. The, my, my Freeman dirty Shirley does not need to, to have a switch to dump it down. Right. It, it sounds great at almost every volume level. And I have a few amps that do that. They just sound great at every volume level. You know what I mean? Um, there's no like, ah, uh, you know what I mean? So uh, I'm not saying that's a perfect amp. I'm just saying that I, I, I can't imagine needing that feature on it. So like I said, just to reiterate, before you go down new speakers and all that stuff, just just don't don't worry about the one watt. Go to 15 watts and then try to find the sweet spot and then compare the two and see what happens. So try that. Um, or even though I know it sounds dumb that it has the, it's built in attenuation. And that's probably one of the features you bought the amp for. Don't be afraid to look at maybe getting an actual outside attenuator. Cause maybe, like I said, they're not attenuating the way that you think they are. Um, I've seen all the different w ways. There's like three, I think, again, I'm not an amp builder, so I don't know, but, uh, there's three main ways I think they can attenuate the amps. And, uh, and, and my understanding is like two of those ways isn't even really legit, right? What they're doing. They're just running a bunch of resistors and doing it differently than how maybe some of the outboard attenuators work. So, but that's why you got to experiment and check them out. And, uh, and then this is probably a good point before somebody rem reminds me. Um, I have a video that, we're, that, that, that shows how you use a, basically a volume control or an EQ pedal in the effects loop of an amp to attenuate it. In my experience, that always works almost always better sound-wise at home than an actual attenuator or switching down the wattage. And you can get the volume one from GHS. That works great too. Okay. Um, what else? How are we doing on time? We're going to have to, we're going to have to button this up. So no more super chats as of now. So hold on. I'm going to refresh my screen right now. And what it does is it captures the ones I have. And so every question I have, and then I'll try to get through these and then we'll, we'll do the non, so a couple of non super chats and 
keep it going. Uh, what do we got going on? We have... We have... Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rereading the ones I just did. Okay, uh, Joy Buzzer. Joy Buzzer says, hey, I want to sharpen my 97 Epiphone Sheraton 2, and I want to put the new electronics in it. Not sure if standard CTS pots will fit in the F-holes. Uh, they should fit in the F-holes. Um, they should drop. They, they, you go at a slight angle. Because um, you got to understand, you're thinking of the F-hole, like you're thinking of it as like a circle, and then the pot's a little too big. But you actually come in at like a sideways angle, and then you kind of... I don't explain it. I, I, don't, I have every kind of electronic in front of me right now, but a potentiometer. It's so funny. I need more props. Um, they, they, uh, basically, what I'm trying to say is, yeah, this is how I'm going to makeshift this. I'm going to use these two things. So if this is your potentiometer, right? So you have the base and then this top black part's the shaft, right? And you're thinking, hey, it's a square hole, you know, kind of square hole, uh, square hole, square, you know, try to, won't fit through a peg, through a square peg, through a round hole. Um, it won't through the F hole. What you want to do is you come in at an angle like this, like this, and you come in and then it goes in sideways and then you crick it in and then goes in. And so I've, uh, in the Sheraton too, I have put those potentiometers in that guitar, rewired it many times. And it's, uh, it goes in fine. It's just a little tricky, but yeah, it does it. Yep. Um, I haven't done, I have never done the crazy, uh, and again, I have those downstairs in the shop, but not here upstairs. Uh, it, I, I don't have any, I've never done the crazy CTS ones that are the stacked push pulls that have the plastic, black plastic base around them. Those are a little thick and I've never tried those. Usually if I'm gonna do push pulls, then I use the cheaper push pulls cause they'll go, they'll fit through those holes. So that's the only ex uh, disclaimer I have for you. Um, Dennis says, Hey, wow. Over a thousand people watching. Is that a record? Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's good. I'll take it. It's been, it's been a while since we've had, I think the record we ever hit on the channel was like 1300 people or 12 high 1200s once, uh, twice. Um, and sadly enough, usually the number of those, those numbers are usually attached to like, if there's like a, some juicy you know, tidbit going on like Gibson files bankruptcy or something. So it's really unnormal to not ha to have you guys hanging out for an average show or just talking about guitar stuff. So I'm really happy to, to hear that. So, um, uh, so thank you, Dennis, for pointing that out. Uh, Philip, not me. There's another Philip out there. Says two people can have the same name. I'm sure it's okay. Philip out there says, "Hey, Phil," uh, and with two L's too, by the way. I'm two L's as well. Uh, that's like a Philip joke. <laughs> so you know, like Phillips. It's so funny. Phillips, when you meet another Philip, you go, one L or two L? And they go, two L. And they go, me too. Or they go, one L. And they go, oh, I'm two L's. And they go, oh, okay. it's, I, I don't know. Maybe that happens to other people. Does, is there other names out there where there's different versions of the spellings? Where there's, in my name, it's two L's or one L, and you can do it either way. And then whenever you meet somebody else, you always go, how many L's do you put in your name? It's like, why? And then the question goes, like, why did my parents pick two L's? I don't know. Why did you just pick one? So there you go. Philip with two L's like me says, hey, Phil, uh, what do you recommend for a Marshall or Marshall store style 20 to 50 watt amp with two channels, including a great clean channel? I have an attenuator. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I'm excited for. It's probably not the answer you're looking for, buddy, but I'm super excited for the twin sister by Friedman. I know it sounds like a Friedman fanboy day here, but I am a Friedman fanboy. I hate to say it. Uh, I like his amps. I don't know what it is. Um, 
you know, I, I've been I've been rocking the 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 Friedman curve, <laughs> right? So I started with the runt, you know what I mean, which is like the hey everybody can get you know most affordable Friedman amp, and I was like I liked it, and then you know I got the JJ Junior, and now I've gone to the Mini Dirty Shirley, and now I'm I'm planning to go to my first like big boy uh, Friedman amp. My big boy meaning it's got the big boy price tag on it and it's two channels and I'm excited about that. I really like that amp. Now, the reason I say that is, is because I think the obvious choice is to say maybe one of the, the, the Marshall 50 watt amps that are out there, but I, I didn't end up liking any of those. Um, didn't dislike them. I just didn't love them. And, uh, it, it just, it's, it's, you know, that's just how it goes, but that's, that's the one I like a whole, a whole lot. Um, I heard really good things about the Bad Cat 30, which is kind of like a Vox Marshall-esque type amp, but I haven't put my hands on one. So that's uh, so I'll, I'll let you know how that goes, which ones I end up checking out. Uh, Music Therapy says, so should I make that real leather sound straps design ST, uh, STD guitar hanger for you uh, for a new guitar for the beer caster I'll have I'll have to message you so I think the question you're asking me is that you, <laughs> if you guys don't know music therapy is the one that did the uh, I hope you like leather which I hope music therapy enjoyed that because I sure enjoyed that uh, a lot um, and, uh, and and inclusively I hope so I hope you understand you I hope you're part of it it was, it was just a great great way to end that sentence um so i guess what you're asking me is uh, if i would be interested in you making a real leather um a guitar hanger uh for the beer caster um i mean you know the answer is i would be nice because it's a, i'm curious but it's a hard thing to say like yeah give me this thing right you know what i mean so i, I don't want to impose on anyone um i can tell you this how about this let's just keep it easy if you were to make me one, I would I would use it. I would use it just because everything. And I don't want you guys to just please send me stuff because some of you guys have sent me stuff, and it, I have everything you send me, guys. Any, anything you send me, like the my Funko Pop, my Mick Mars uh, mini statue, like anything you guys send me. Uh, uh, you know, it's funny. My when I drank a beer last week, I felt horrible. It was my fault. It was in the it was in the dishwasher. I couldn't use it. But Six Bar Break, the band sent me a, a pint glass, and I wanted to use their pint glass and. And uh, I I, uh, I messed up because about 20 minutes before the show started, I went downstairs to get it, and I realized it was in the dishwasher. There was no way to get it clean in time. So, uh, I, and when I would say that, so you know, so you don't think I'm lazy and I can't wash the dish in five minutes because I don't want to defend myself now. But what I mean was, it was, dish, it was in the dishwasher running, and, the, and it had a longer, you know, had too long in the cycle to go before I could take the glass out and stop the dishwasher cycle. So. All right, so uh, so th that's my answer to your question. You know what I mean? Uh, it's uh, I, I would you know I'm curious, but um, but if you want to message me, go ahead and message me at the Ask Know Your Gear and just put in the thing and we can talk. Um, it's tough for me to get through emails. I'm getting through less than one percent of my emails right now, just because of the way things are going. But if you put subjects like this, and I know we talked about this week, I try to kind of focus on that. Everyone else, I apologize. I'm getting to as many emails as possible. So. Um, Rasha says, uh, thanks for the feedback. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Raphael says, I don't use my tone very often. Any recommendations on upgrades? So I start using it. Uh, well, you can change out the capacitor. I, I, you know, I like, it depends on the, you didn't say what kind of guitar. So it depends on if you have a 0.22 microfarad or a 0.47 microfarad. Um, so there are things you can do, but here's what I would recommend. If you don't use a tone control, um, it's not like I could say, man, you're missing out. You're missing out. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, what I will tell you is this. There are some fun things you can do. It's, it's, it depends on if you want an afternoon to do something. So here's what I recommend to a lot of people to do. You can go online. I will, maybe I can put a link when I do the index of this video. Or maybe it's a video I can make and just make it up. Um, there are, you can basically get some, uh, some alligator clips and some capacitors and basically solder the capacitors right onto, put alligator clips on each uh, capacitor. I, I know it's funny, I'm like, I don't have any parts here. I do have, what do I have here? So here is a 0.47 uh, orange drop capacitor. And you can see this one's been cut really short. That's why I have it up here because somebody cut those things really short. <laughs> um, so what's great about these, they come with really long leads on them. Okay, so what you can do, and this is an expensive component. And for this component, it's probably three to $5 uh, if you don't find them a, a deal somewhere. So I know that sounds funny that I'm saying $3 expensive, but I'm saying for, for capacitors, that's expensive. You can buy a ton of capacitors out there. And I, you know what? I know exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna link you uh, to a, a great place to, to get uh, capacitors if you wanna try different ones, um, because one of the best places to get them, hold on, hold on, before I say it, I'm gonna keep you guys in suspense. Um, hold on. Um, I, I can't show you this because I don't have screen share on this on my OBS software, but I can look before, you know, look before you leap. Uh, before I tell you guys, and I tell you guys this is where I'm gonna send you. Um, yep, I, I already feel I, I think I'm right. Yeah, I'm right. Here you go. Yeah, you uh, you know what? There's a uh, Lindy Fralin uh, has a, a good. He's obviously he's going to charge you retail. They're not going to be super cheap. I'll probably link you to his stuff because he has a great selection of of capacitors um, and a little. Uh, so I will I will link you guys to it right now. It's uh, Fralin Pickups. You guys know Lindy Fralin, and he makes a, he has a page on their parts and and if you want to try out a bunch of different capacitors, here's what I recommend you do. You go on there. And uh, they're between three to twelve dollars. So, like one of the expensive ones, you know, is going to be you know eight bucks. You can buy a couple of different capacitors, and there's one that he likes. It's called the Fralin Magic Cap. I just tried one recently, and uh, it was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So here's what you do. Um, and if we need a video on this, I guess I can make a video. It's not that hard. Uh, you're going to buy those capacitors, and then you uh, you solder the the leads each one each side to two alligator clips, right? And then you can clip them into your guitar, and then play your guitar and try them. I mean, talk about a great afternoon of trying different. I mean. Between the alligator caps and uh, six different capacitors, uh, you're probably going to be into this uh, with shipping everything, 30, 40 bucks. 30, 40 bucks, you get to try things and see what you're missing. And and the Know Your Gear channel is not about knowing stuff. It's about learning to know stuff. In other words, you know, taking time to to absorb it, not just, you know. So that's that's a, a better than any video I'll ever be able to make is you guys literally can try that yourself. So. It's really cool. Uh, and I'll put that there. And if I find, sometimes you can find on eBay where somebody's made up a bunch of those quick ones. So you can do that. Somebody actually has a six-way switch where you can switch between all six capacitors and do that stuff too. But but I would just do the alligator clips and do it that way. It's fun. That's how I do it. It's fast and easy. Um, I do it for customers sometimes. I'll clip in one and say, how do you like this one? So generally speaking, I like the orange drops the most. 
Um, and I've had people give me feedback saying you can't tell the difference between you know the same value capacitor. It doesn't matter what they're made out of. Uh, I don't I don't know to argue that. Uh, I just know that I hear a difference. <laughs> uh, and when I say I hear a difference, I don't mean like I hear a tonal difference. I I hear a difference when I'm when I'm turning the knob before how long before something cuts in and cuts out. So it could be something else going on besides just the value of that. There's all kinds of variables in this stuff. Um, let's see. What else do we got? We have fret level midnight says, haven't I? Uh, oh, he has a uh, sorry. Fret level midnight has an Indo Samic, way better than Chinese at Epi, Epi Studio uh, LT. Plays amazing. Put super distortion in the bridge, but sometimes high E gets stuck on the pole. Okay, uh, piece suggestions. The Godin session plays amazing. Okay, so he's just running down some of the cool guitars he has, which is cool. Um, uh, yeah, the the string getting stuck on the pole piece on your super distortion, which is strange because your super distortion should have Allen screws or Allen type screws. So it's not like a uh, shouldn't have a, a a flathead screw where it has a lip for the string to catch on to. So that's really uh, strange. But here's my thought on that: if it's catching on that pickup your pickup is probably too darn close to your strings in the first place so i would start with lowering that uh first and what's great is based on what you're saying it sounds like your pickup so close to it that you're there so i would just play the guitar and then slowly lower the pickup and and until well lower it just a little bit play it see if that solves a problem and it and but also listen with your ears as you're lowering it to see when the tone changes. At some point, the pickup goes away and you get what I call a hollow sound. You'll get a hollower sound of the of the guitar. I'm trying to make a hollow sound like this. Um, when you when the pickup gets far away from the strings, I think it gets hollow sounding. Some people say it gets bassier sounding, but I think it gets hollow. And it gets closer to the strings, it gets brighter, and it's definitely got a fast attack to it. In other words, it just feels like it's pushing everything a little hard. So I would just lower that, and, and if that works, great. If not, since you said it was basically, what string was it? You said the high E. Uh, I would just go ahead and take the Allen uh, key and uh, the Allen wrench and just, you know, one of these, and just uh, adjust that, that pole piece to where it's not catching. Now, uh, you said, because you did say on the pole because usually when a high e string gets cut on a pickup it's cutting over the edge uh the lip so to speak like this pickup right here the, you know the, the lip of a humbucker it'll cut cut underneath this lip right here and uh that's why you see so many rock stars with a piece of tape there you know you'll see uh dimebag daryl and steve i and tons of guitar players have seen you see a, like a piece of electrical tape or sometimes masking tape all kinds of tape they put tape over the edge of the pickup so the string doesn't catch under there um, so, but that's not what you're saying. It's a pole piece. So with the pole piece, that's how I, that's, I would solve it. Uh, Buzz says, what humidifier brands ha uh, have you had luck with and can you recommend a humidity level? So that's a great question. Humidity levels sometimes are dictated by the manufacturers. So sometimes like I think Taylor will say like 60% humidity and stuff like that. Keep in mind, right, Buzz, this is where it's like said, I've warned people in the past about my advice when it comes to humidity levels because I live in one of the driest places on earth. So it's almost impossible to get the humidity to where you need it to, where I live. And uh, unless you really die hard, <laughs> All right, you gotta really be on it. Um, so uh, humidifiers, what I like, 
I like um, Music Nomad. That's how I learned Music Nomad stuff is that I, they're humidifiers. I used to carry their humidifiers and I like them. So what I will tell you about humidifiers is definitely interesting in the idea that I usually when I'm like, I've tried and I like and I, you know, just things that I've experienced. What I will tell you is that uh, the, the Music Nomad humidifiers are definitely the ones that I've sold over the years. And the customers were like, yes. You know what I mean? The gel packs from Diodario were always hit or miss. Some people liked them. Some people didn't like them. Um, you know what I mean? There's all different kinds. Uh, Planet Waves makes the cool ones that drop in the, on the strings and have the sponge. Those are great. But for some reason, I think the when I think of feedback from, from, from guitar players, it was always the Music Nomad one. So that's the one I recommend. And um, if I use one, that's the one I use. I like it. So that's what I would do. Humidity level, you know, I, I have uh, not just one, but probably ten friends that that literally go nuts and uh, <laughs> about humidity. They're like really hardcore about it. They have those. Uh, they all love those things you get from Dario. Those sensors. They put them in the case, and then it, like it's an app to your phone, and then you could look at the humidity on your phone. And that actually gives you suggestions. So if you're thinking about doing something like that, I would do that. They are all really happy with that. Uh, like I said, I humidify nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm horrible. <laughs> I refuse. I refuse to do it. Um, I don't know why. It's like I don't want a goldfish. They die, right? So when I think of guitars, I just don't want a goldfish. I don't want something I have to take care of. Now, does that mean, so you know, does that mean that I would not take care of like a really expensive high-end guitar acoustic? Uh, no, but that's why I don't buy them. Like I have some really nice tailors, but I haven't had issues with them. Um, and, you know, uh, so that's what I would suggest, something like that. Um, although if I get that hummingbird, I'm going to have to probably get a couple of those music nomads and, and keep on it. Uh, Tony, what's up, Tony? Tony says, hey, two guitars I wish I never sold. 72 Blue Fender Mustang and a late, or no, 80s, and a 1980 Les Paul Maroon TV special. What about you? You know, what's funny is I can honestly say, uh, I'm going to tell you which guitars, but then it's going to, I'm going to preface it with saying, I really don't ever regret selling any guitars because I've learned this because I've sold some and then I bought the same one again, then I sold it and I bought it again. And there's a couple guitars that I like, I wish I didn't do it to, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, there was a, a PRSF 245 that I sold that I wish I didn't, but uh, you know, the one, and there's a Gretsch hollow body, uh, junior, a limited edition, uh, anniversary model that I wish I didn't sell to, but I say that and all, and I actually go through a list. I probably have about six or seven guitars. I can say, Oh, I wish I didn't sell that one. And this one I didn't wish to, but then to be honest with you, uh, I say that and then I, and then I, here's what I, 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 uh, I've learned a little trick. Here's the trick. And for you guys that are, uh, when you sell your guitar and you say, I wish I never sold it. Here's the trick to find out how full of crap you are. <laughs> Cause remember, I believe you, you, you BS yourself first. That's who you, that's, that's how it works, right? You will lie to yourself more than you'll lie to anyone else in your life. <laughs> or maybe I'm just crazy and it's just me, but I really believe people just really lie to themselves or kind of BS themselves. And so here's what I mean by you BS yourself when it comes to uh, that, that, hey, I wish I never sold guitar. Okay. First of all, I want to break this in two sections because it's important. First, I always get the guy who's like, I wish I never sold my 1962 Strat because it's worth X amount of dollars. And I always have to digest that and say, okay, wait a minute. Do you really miss that guitar or do you wish or do you wish you just had the twenty thousand dollars it's worth or whatever it's worth right and then i go well why not just wish wish for the money 
right? <laughs> if you're wishing for something you sold too cheap, then why not just go, I wish I had that money <laughs> that I, you know what I mean? Um, cause it's not really the guitar that you're really missing. Now that, that, that's one thing. The second thing is probably what really pertains to this question and me. Um, a lot of times when I say, oh, do you, what's the guitar you wish you never sold? And you, and you'll say, oh, like me, I'll say that Gretsch. And I go, okay. And then I go, I think that Gretsch I sold it for $1,800, I think is what I sold it for. So the question is, would I buy it right now for $1,800? No, I wouldn't. Would I buy it for a thousand? Heck yeah, because it's worth 1800 bucks and it was a cool guitar. So do I really miss it if I'm not willing to buy it again? So that really, really what you learn about the guitar you miss. Now I understand, I understand there's another angle to this, which is sometimes you're like, okay, I sold a guitar for 1200 bucks or 500 bucks and, uh, and you wish you didn't sell it. And now you can't buy it for that. It's worth double that. Okay. That's legit. Except for, like I said, the question isn't about that. It's about it's that's a question of would you know you wish you would have paid less for a guitar that you could pay more for now kind of thing but the real question is would you buy it for the 500 bucks you sold it for and i think when i ask people that so when people goes oh the guitar that got away was my uh you know my 93 uh you know charvel and uh, and i sold it for 600 dollars. and i go oh would you buy it right now for 600 dollars? and they go mm, not six maybe five and i'm like well i don't think you've regretted it then so that's what it is. So that's to answer your question is, uh, have I ever regretted selling any guitars? Uh, I say yes, but the reality is uh, there's not a single guitar that I've sold in the past that I would definitely buy for what I sold it for. Uh, I had my yellow gem. Remember I had two gems and I had the yellow gem and I sold it and I keep thinking, man, I kind of miss it. And then I, I go, but I, I, wouldn't buy, I wouldn't pay for what I sold it for. There's no way, no way. I wouldn't do it. So that's how you kind of ask, ask, ask yeah, that's how you have to ask that question to yourself. Cause otherwise you're just kind of lying to yourself. You're like, I miss it. But then you're like, not really. Cause you know, the only time it really comes in, uh, and then we'll cut, cut this subject dead is that there is some times where you sell a guitar and you miss it. And now they're worth way more and you can't even find them. And that kind of sucks. That one taunts you a little bit, <laughs> but that's usually not the case. All right, let's see. Um, okay, um, and then we'll do this. is the last one for Super Chat. So if you did a Super Chat, it was too late because I said a screen grab when I said. Uh, music Stuff said, best way to dress, to dress a radius fingerboard. I got you. Okay. At first I was like, I thought I was saying, ask me how the best way to radius the, the, a, a fingerboard. So what he's asking is a radius fingerboard. So I think he means, I'm really having trouble with this question. Cause so I'm going to have to answer two questions that it possibly could be. First question is how, what's the best way to radius, like the fingerboard, the fret, the fret board, not, right? Cause you're saying fingerboard. Um, I use, uh, so I'm very lucky. Uh, I have a, uh, a, a customer of mine who I obviously, I guess I did something right. And he liked me <laughs> and he was a, a machinist and he machined me 
these amazing radius blocks um, out of aluminum. And there's a type, there's a kind of them that they sell at Stumac that are hollow aluminum. These are way better than that, way better. In fact, he actually contacted Stumac and tried to sell them to the Stumac, but um, they couldn't buy them because his cost, you know, was so high that by the time, like, I'm not exaggerating, by the time they sold them, they said they'd have to be like $1,200 a set. And they said it just wouldn't make sense. So he gave me a set and that's what I use exclusively. Now, what did I use before that? I used the radius blocks that you get from Stumac made of wood and I still have those. Um, and uh, it's funny because I haven't used them in four or five years, six years. And, uh, but I still have them. The, uh, I will say this, if you're gonna do your own radius uh, uh, stuff, get the wood ones uh, from Stumac uh, versus the metal ones. The, the metal ones are for uh, someone who's doing it so much that you're afraid that you're just gonna wear them out over time. Um, yeah, I'm not vintage old, said Stumac was afraid of marking high price. Yeah, well, of course, because, I mean, they can't mark something. I mean, I know you guys are like, hey, there's stuff expensive because it is. But, I mean, you can't make something 10 times what your other component, your other product is. So, yeah. Um, and uh, But, uh, so that's what I use. So that's what I would suggest whoops, suggest you use is the wooden ones. But um, And then I thought about sharing the aluminum ones I have with you in a video. But, again, uh, it's, it'd be like what I just said to you now. Hey, look, this cool thing somebody made me and you can't have any because he, he's not going to make them piecemeal for one person at a time. There's just no money in it for him and his machine shop. Um, so that answers that question. Now, if your question is how do you uh, dress, because you're saying how do you dress, I'm thinking frets because you don't dress the fingerboard. Uh, you'd sand the fingerboard. Uh, how would you dress frets on a radius fingerboard? Um, and... Um, and I'm assuming that in this case, maybe this question could mean like if you have a 12 or uh, 10 or nine and a half inch radius fretboard, how do you dress those frets? Um, and uh, I use, uh, I have two uh, files that I use. Um, both are from Stumac. And the one I use, uh, believe it or not, it's really weird. I don't know why. Uh, it's why I use this one. You've seen it in my videos. Uh, I have a video where I show you how to do fret the uh take the uh, frets brought off and I use it in there you can tell it's the, you can tell it's old as hell it's uh, it's it shouldn't exist anymore on the planet earth I've used it I wouldn't say every day of my life but I'm gonna say oh geez uh, 20 days a month for the last 15 16 years uh, working on guitars and it shouldn't even keep going and so when I say I have a couple of them, I have newer ones that they make and I have other ones that I've tried from other companies besides Dumac and um, I, I like them all fine but for some reason this thing keeps going so I just keep using it um, and so if you want to check it out what I use I would check out that video uh, Stumac still makes it in fact um, I have, like I said, I have the new version, but I never use it. And the reason I use it, which is a strange thing. Now, keep in mind, I do kind of uh, polish the file because you can clean and polish your own files and keep them going. So I do that. But the, what I like about it is it's because all the years it it's broken in the file. It's the other files are too aggressive. When I, when I file frets, I, I like to go so little at a time. You know what I mean? Um, I, I almost want to like the, I want the first uh, uh, first stroke across to almost like I did nothing, right? Um, and and there's a reason for that. Here's why. And this is again, the mentality difference of builders and repair guys and how it gets a little different, okay? Um, uh, and it, it, there's definitely harder things. Trust me, builders have a much harder job than a repair person. Although there's a couple psychological things that repair guys have to deal with. And here's one of them. A builder can build you a guitar and there's no comparison to it. In other words, if he hands you your guitar and he made this for you and you're going to pick it up and you're going to either, you're going to decide from playing it whether it was good or not. 
Here's the number one trick. If you guys want to get into the repair business, the one thing you're going to have to figure out because it's, it's a, it's a hard, hard thing to figure out. In fact, it's the single hardest thing that any repair person ever figures out, which is this, when you're given a guitar that somebody hates, okay, I hate this guitar and everything about it sucks. And you, you, you work on it and you make it better and they, they're happy. They're like, yes, I'm happy. That is the smallest percentage of guitar players you're going to repair guitars for and work on. The majority of players that are going to hand you a guitar, trust me, because no one's dumb. Well, not majority of people are not dumb. They're bringing, when people bring me a guitar, I love when somebody goes, man, I can set up my own guitars. I don't need you for that. Yeah. But, and you know what? And I wish that was all I did all day, but mostly what you're doing is you're repairing or setting up instruments that somebody who knows how to do it can't figure out why this one won't do it. That's why I said you have to be a master of diagnostics. You have to look at the problem and go, okay, why did the th seven things that that guy did not work? And how am I going to get this to work? It's, it's literally becomes, it's, 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 it's tricky. And as you do this over years, by the way, if you get good at that, you get known for that. So then more people even bring you their problems. So to the point where like, I feel like half the work I do is problem work. It's like, I already know that they've tried everything. They're not even going to tell me that. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but a lot of them have, you know, I love it. Cause a lot of them do tell me, they go, Hey, I set up all my uh, guitar. I set up all my own guitars, but this one's just messing up for me. So, um, uh, but here's the trick. This is, I am holding, I'm, I'm doing that horrible thing where I'm holding the answer for you from you guys. Here's the, here's the thing you have to master. Most guitar players that bring you something, they are extremely in tune with it. So when you give it back, it's gotta be that and better. And if it's different, then they're going to react very badly. So you understand where I'm going with this. So a new builder builds your guitar, you play it. If you like it, you like it. But when somebody brings me a guitar that they like, but it's having an issue, if I don't bring it, if I don't hand it back to them with the same familiarity that they had before, like in other words, if I just go ahead and plane off, that's why, dude, you guys, a lot of you guys will understand what I'm saying about this. A lot of you guys have experienced this. You take your guitar to a shop and the guy just literally shaves off half your frets, right? Oh, I got a high fret or I got to have an issue or this is, I'm having issues where the frets aren't, uh, you know, you got some dead spots or you're having issues and they just go ahead and just start planing your frets like crazy. What I, what I've learned is Everybody has that bad experience and they get really sensitive to it. So when you bring your guitars to somebody who works on guitars, you want them to fix the problem, but not change anything that you like. So for instance, if you have 20 dead spots and you can't bend your, your strings right, and you bring it to me and I correct all that, but I also take just a micro amount of fret material off, you'll play it and go, yeah, it's no dead spots, but man, my fingers rubbing the fretboard now. And and then you're down that road. So what I'm saying is, is you get really in tune with how to fix guitars in a way that has very little change to the instrument. In other words, you want to make a small adjustment. So that's what I said. So I've learned to, lo I love this file because like I said, I feel like I can grab it and I can just kind of go to town on the guitar and it's not taking away a lot of material. And I just kind of feel like I can figure out where the spot is in the guitar. So there you go. That's your answer to the question. That's the show. A long one again. I think we're just going to keep doing long ones for a little while. I don't know. It just seems like it's going that way. All right. On that note, I'll let you guys go. Uh, you guys have a great weekend.